Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sergio, are you still a part of the Tailgate Podcast? Because a lot of people are moving around. A lot, of place, a lot of places, a lot of new places, new horizons for some schools. The college football world's changed again. Sergio, what are your thoughts? How you doing? I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm doing how, well. How surprised were you on a Thursday at like noon when all of a sudden the college football world was just flipped over again? Oh, so we're just going to ignore the small talk. We're going to dive right in. That's what we're going to do. There's no, I know how your day is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I literally just told you before you hit record. um okay i wasn't surprised that this happened i was surprised that this happened so quickly yeah okay if that makes sense what it is before we continue Mm -hmm. talking anonymously basically um this is a tailgaters podcast by the way brought to you by the believe podcast network um usc and ucla have both applied and were granted admission to the Big Ten Conference starting in 2024 at the earliest or at the latest, um, probably earliest, I would assume. I feel like they'll play out another year in the Pac-12. Um, it, they really gave us a soft opening is what I'm calling it because it was really like they put it, someone reported it. They're like, it's possible that UCLA and USC might go to the Big Ten. And then like an hour later, everybody was, that knows was reporting it could be done by tomorrow and it wasn't even by tomorrow, which is today. It was done like later that day. And so all you need to know is that USC, UCLA, the two Los Angeles schools, arguably the biggest brands in on the West coast are no longer part of the PAC 12, which is not great for the PAC 12. And it signifies the continuation of the forming of super conferences Um, We already had one super conference begin its form with the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. Um, This is a very similar move for the Big Ten. So, Sergio, what what was your first initial reaction? My initial reaction was, well, it's kind of crazy. Are they going to move Los Angeles to, like, Iowa? Like, is this how this works? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Geographic locations has never mattered less. <laughs> it is, yeah, we are definitely in the age of it does not matter about geographic locations. Um, no, yeah, my initial thoughts were this is a little weird, um, very strange. I know Notre Dame and USC play every year, so it's not like USC doesn't go out to the Midwest to play games. Um, but it, it was really strange because this is something that, while I'm not surprised happened, I am surprised at the speed of which it happened. I thought we were going to gradually build into the two mega super conferences, but it seems that Borba, it seems that we're in 2022. It seems that by 2026, we're really going to have the framework for just two massive conferences. Um, I think the next step is for both the SEC and the Big Ten um, to, before it was the Autonomy Five. Um, otherwise known as the power five uh, collect uh, casually where you would have 
Um, they call them the Autonomy Five because those five conferences, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, wanted to break away or want to break away from the NCAA in terms of a governing in terms of governing where they would be able to essentially govern themselves um, on things such as scheduling on um, paying, paying of players might be a thing that they want to do, but basically removing themselves from the NCAA in that sense um, in overview towards football. And honestly, I don't see that as such a crazy thing to do, but now what I see happening is it's going to become the sec and the big 10 are the ones that are going to go ahead and, and grab up other teams and create these two super conferences. I also think this is college football is basically being used. I was talking to my stepdad today and I used the analogy of um, this is one big game of chess. And you could say that the SC, the SEC and the Big Ten and, and college football in general is a pawn, but I think it's bigger than a pawn. They're more like they're more like knights or or uh, bishops um, where they can have a bit more movement on the board. Um, but I definitely see college football being used as a weapon in an arms race um, between Fox and ESPN, because if you look at on a bigger level, right on a more macro level, don't just look at, oh, my God, how is the tennis team or the volleyball team or the swim meets? How are they going to have to travel all the way from L.A. to the mid- to the Midwest on a six hour flight, blah, blah, blah. Yes, those are things that I think are very important hurdles to tackle and are very unrealistic things and pretty, pretty horrible things to demand of your athletes. But anyway, um. It's more a battle of the SEC and I'm sorry, ESPN gaining almost complete, uh, not control, but definitely controlling, having the inventory, I should say, that the SEC provides, um, especially now that they're going to get the like SEC, the CBS game of the week, the da 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 da, RIP to the theme song. Um, that I think by next year, the year after is going to move to the ESPN properties, which means it's probably going to be on ABC. So all of ESPN's content, the ESPN network, I mean, the SEC network, all the SEC's content, the SEC network, the games, all of it are going to be under the ESPN umbrella. What Fox is doing is countering that by going ahead and grabbing the second biggest conference in the country, the second conference with the most money in the country, the Big Ten, with some of arguably the biggest brands in college football, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State. You know, you have these massive brands that are in that um, in that conference. So it only makes sense for Fox to do that. It also behooves Fox to do this because Fox owns, I believe it's a 60% stake in the Big Ten network. So they're essentially primary owners of the Big Ten network. So when the Big Ten's rights go up, I believe in 2024, and they go to the negotiating tables with different companies and streaming platforms, guess who has the seat at the table on the side of the Big Ten? It's Fox. Fox is sitting at that table. So it behooves Fox to go out and try to do a Texas, Oklahoma style poaching of a big program to just get that a the market, Los Angeles, a massive market. B, get the brand names in USC and UCLA because UCLA, while not always a traditional football power, definitely a basketball power, definitely a power in all of their Olympic sports, still brings a lot of brand name to him. And C, it allows them to go head to head and toe to toe with the SEC and Fox with um, ESPN. So it, it's kind of mutually beneficial in this thing. And and what I predict is we're just going to see an arms race to see who can now get other teams. Before, when these conferences kind of worked together and regionalists were very regional, they it did exactly that. They worked together to try to grow the game. They came together to try to sell the playoff and split it among everyone. 
now the SEC and the Big Ten are seeing, well, I don't care about the ACC. I don't care about the Big 12. I don't care about the Pac-12. Those conferences don't really make us the money. The teams that are in that position to make the money and the teams that are making the money for the college football playoff are the SEC and the Big Ten teams. So why should I even bother by going into that situation? Um, so that's kind of like my thought process that happened the entire time. I just did not, I expected this to happen. I just did not expect this to happen in, on June 30th of 2021. I expected this to happen in 2023 or maybe in 2025 when, when some rights, I think rights come up. I think it's 23, 24, 25, 26 different conferences, stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that was my biggest shocker. What about you? I've ranted for five minutes. Please take this away from me, Borba. What do you think? What are your thoughts on this situation? You know, as someone who is, or kind of, yes, is employed by the the Pac-12 network, um, it was a bit of a shock because that's not really something that was discussed. I think, obviously, as a production assistant, I'm not sitting in the big meetings, but there was times where, like, the expectation for the Pac-12 was that they were going to wait until their rights agreements were up, their TV contracts and all that expired, and then they were going to, like figure out how to make more money because the Pac-12 conference is the least earning power five conference. Um, the big 10 is one of the higher earning th- uh, conferences. And so, I mean, when you, at the end of the day, everything's a money game. Um, we, you're uh, to briefly summarize your amazing tangent. Um, everybody wants more money and that's what Fox and ESPN are doing. They're figuring out ways to make more money. Um, that's why Notre Dame's the hottest commodity in college football right now. Um, I'll touch on that a little bit later, but, the more money that people could generate is and the, the better the product. They don't care about how far it is or how long or what it's going to do to the Olympic sports because I I would say that there's not many Northeast schools out there with beach volleyball. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that. I, I doubt Rutgers is sporting a beach volleyball team. I doubt Wisconsin has one, but um, it did surprise me a little bit. Like you said, the speed of it, <laughs> it kind of at first seemed like a restaurant soft opening to me where it was just like, we're going to put this out here. And then it was like, I thought, like, I honestly thought the Pac-12 was going to get a chance to, like, maybe um, make a move. I don't know what the move would have been. I don't know if they're financially capable of making a move, but I thought they would have a chance to respond. But it was literally like, it was like asking someone, hey, can I I do this? But at the end of the day, you already know you're going to do that. (laughs) So that, that caught me off guard a little bit. And then now my attention's turned to what are the options for the Pac-12 network and, or not the Pac-12 network, um, the Pac-12. And so you think, I really, you think about your job is what you're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, as someone who covers Stanford, it's definitely interesting because Stanford is historically outside of these past three years. They're one of the top 10 winning as football pro- programs in the country. They're good at every sport. Literally, they win the director's cup. They've won it like every year except for the past two years for the last 20 years. And so they're good at everything. And then they're obviously an outstanding academic institution. But it's interesting to see what will happen to other Pac-12 teams because Oregon and Washington have already been put on the waiting list. They've already been told by the Big Ten that if Notre Dame accepts, or basically they're waiting for Notre Dame to respond. So it's like, we we get you guys are interested, but we'll be interested depending on what Notre Dame wants, which, I mean, that's got to be tough to hear. Um, but, but on the real, there's three options for the Pac-12 network. I'm going to break them down for you real quick. One, they could try to add two teams, four teams to kind of, combat this mega conference thing um they could combine with the big 12 um form a actual alliance because if you remember last year there was an alliance formed between the acc 
and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to combat what was happening in the SEC. But apparently oh, that oh was- yeah, that thing. <laughs> that thing. They, they wrote that on a napkin at a restaurant and got thrown away or something. Cause that's they were, they were three and a half drinks in and they said, we gotta say something, man. They that's what happened. Bro, they said, bro, trust me. Like, <laughs> but, and then the third option is the PAC 12 team start getting poached and going to other conferences. So of those three options, what do you think is most likely to happen? It's unfortunate because I am very much a believer that every level of college football, you and I both, every level of college football is great. And I think the system that we had was working pretty well for us. Um, it's funny how all of a sudden people say we want to expand the playoff and one G5 team makes the um, the playoff and kind of everything just kind of starts burning down. And they're like, no way, we can't do this. This can't happen. No, I'm kidding. I saw that in a tweet. I don't know who tweeted it, but I'm not taking that for as my original joke. Just saying. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the latter is the most realistic option i mean you mentioned it in passing washington and oregon are kind of like in a placeholder with the big 10 because they're waiting on on notre dame stuff uh i've seen the big 12 has reports that the big 12 has reached out to washington and oregon as well um i do want to point out the notre dame thing real quick i pulled up their contract because i believe this is something that um i thought and i wasn't sure if i was just tripping but i'm not so um, Notre Dame's ACC contract, right? Because as we know, Notre Dame in every sport except for football is a member of the Big East. I'm sorry, is a member of the ACC. Um, they play basketball, baseball, all that stuff, and they compete in conference play already. There's already a system in place. Um, Notre Dame has that ACC contract through 2036 because that is when the ACC network deal with ESPN expires. And the ACC is locked in up until 2036 because Notre Dame is a part of that um, in, in the ACC in every sport. But football, every all of their um, deals and stuff run through there. So they're tied in through 2036. Their deal with NBC runs through 2025. Um, yes. No, 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 Notre Dame's yeah. NBC deal. They're like right, NBC right. football deal gotcha. runs through 2025. Now, there's a clause in the grant of rights deal with the ACC that Notre Dame signed that said that if Notre Dame chooses to join a conference in football before 2036, remember that date, that's the when the ACC deal expires, they are contractually obligated to join the ACC. So this is something that I'm not sure, I haven't seen it. I, I, know, I knew this fact, I looked it up to double check, and I'm very confused as to why this isn't being spoken about. Notre Dame's being thrown around, and it's like, oh, the Big Ten's waiting on Notre Dame. The big Notre Dame cannot join the Big Ten without breaking that agreement with the ACC, and I can damn near guarantee you that it's going to cost a billion dollars for ACC to say, no, we're just going to let Notre Dame go. Obviously not a billion, but you know what I mean, an absurd amount of money. And I don't know if that's something that will happen. Will the Big Ten offset that cost to have Notre Dame join? Like Notre Dame is contractually obligated for the next 14 years to join the ACC if they want to leave independent or not be independent anymore and join a football conference. So I don't see how this is feasible, possible. I think we're going to see a pause in um, – I think we're going to see a pause in that in this re realignment situation that we have going on because I think Notre Dame has to think about how they can get out of this ACC 
contractual obligation that they have um, without losing so much money and so much revenue. Because like you said, it's all about money at this point. I think the most realistic thing is, yes, the big 12 teams get pa- get poached. I think the big, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 teams get poached. I think the big 12 is probably a better situation for someone like an Oregon or someone like a Washington. Um, it, let's throw geography out the window because clearly no one cares about that anymore. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of what I see happening. That's the most realistic option. I'm just still very confused on the Notre Dame situation because they have to join the, if they join a conference before 2036, another 14 years, and it's July 1st, 2036. So it's literally to the day since we're recording on July 1st, 14 years until Notre Dame can join a conference that is not the ACC. I get it geographically and rivalry and culturally. I think Notre Dame is a big 10 school in everything but name. I think they are a powerhouse in the area. I feel like they're a powerhouse. Uh, They have a natural rivalry with Michigan. I'm sure stuff can develop with Penn State and Notre Dame. And I'm sorry, with Penn State and Ohio State and all these other things. But yeah, I just, I don't see things happening simply because the Notre Dame contract situation is what's going to throw a massive wrench. I want to, I don't want to say wrench, but it's definitely going to slow things down to a halt until that gets resolved. Now, if you tell me tomorrow that Notre Dame has worked an agreement with the ACC where they don't have to do that, all bets are off. I think Notre Dame can join the Big Ten. I think they'll also maybe go after an or grab Oregon, leave Washington in the dust. Then you got probably the Arizona schools going to the Big Twelve. A whole lot of stuff that can happen. But the most realistic realistic is everything stays pat until Notre Dame gets their stuff figured out um, with the ACC, and then from there we can see a little bit more of a wild, wild West feel, which is coming around, which I want to say for the record, I am, I do not think this is good for the game of college football. I do not think this is a good thing. I have just accepted the fact that it's a reality and that the college football landscape will by 2030 look completely different than what it did um, in 2020. And yeah. 2020 was a weird year. <laughs> it was a weird year. Uh, global pandemic. Shout out Rudy Gobert. Um, new Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. Rudy worth Gobert. four first round picks, Rudy Gobert. Apparently, hey, the Jazz have a different Frenchman on their mind, but that doesn't matter. They do have uh, a different Frenchman. Hey, you mean to tell me that if if I play horrible defense in the playoffs and can't play the fourth quarter of playoff games, I could too be worth four first round draft picks? That's insane. What a concept! Wow, you might be. Um, there's a couple <laughs> things I wanted to touch on. One, I think while it is like puzzling, like with Notre Dame and all their their situation with contracts wise um notre dame is probably one of the the richest private institutions in america and i'm sure that their boosters will have no issue forking over however hundreds of millions of dollars that it that they will have but to. borba 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 there's rich there's rich and there's ungod <laughs> ungodly is the right word here um <laughs> but an absurd amount of wealth i think notre dame you are correct is rich i'm not sure that they're Hey guys, let's pass the hat around for a hundred and seventy-five million dollar contract buyout, or uh, even if it's just a hundred. Like you see Texas and Oklahoma, it's like they were asking for like 80, 85, 90 million dollars each to break their their things early, and that's why the Big Twelve is going to have fourteen teams for at least a season. You know, hey, tuition prices might see a bump. Don't ask why. <laughs> Another thing that's really interesting, and a lot this is in regards to Washington and Oregon. Um, as reported by John Canzano, I don't know how to say his name, but John Canzano, that's how I'm going to say it. Um, he spoke to lawmakers in Washington and Oregon 
And there's a movement that is trying to make sure that the Pac-12 universities that are public schools, so Oregon and Oregon State and Washington and Washington State, do not split up. And so there might be legislation brought into the brought into play. And so Sergio's truck horning his arm excitedly. Well, there's there's precedent for this. There's precedent for this because Virginia Tech wanted to leave the ACC at one point, and the state of Virginia shut them down because they were going to leave Virginia behind. And they said, no, you got to take Virginia with you. And so then the things never materialized. So this is a proven way to prevent for this stuff to happen. Now, USC is a private school. They can do whatever they want. Maybe California could enact a law where they force, say, you got to take Cal with you. And then UCLA stays. And then at that point, does the Big Ten really want the USC by themselves? Do they just want one? It's like when the Dodgers and the Giants moved out to San Francisco and Los Angeles. If one of them went, that was a logistical nightmare for baseball in the in the fifties. But if both of them went, it was much easier for them. So maybe we yeah. get some kind of situation like that. I, the little brothers are trying to be package deals, and we have seen it work, but we've also seen it not work because I'm pretty sure the state of Oklahoma tried to do it um, with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma when the move to the SEC was happening. I feel like there was I remember legislation murmurs happening when that occurred um realistically because i think a lot of people are getting too caught up in the recent success of the in the programs of usc and ucla because usc hasn't won the pac-12 in football since 2017 and ucla hasn't won it since the year before i was born in 1998 but basketball powerhouse um usc big brands and they get the los angeles market which is a huge thing especially for those northeast schools that are recruiting like it's hard to recruit a kid from la and be like yeah, dude, come to Michigan. Like, it'll be fun. But it's now, yeah, dude, we're going to play in your home your home city twice, like four times in your mm-hmm. career if you're here all four years. And so that's an added bonus. Um, you sent me something on Instagram that I thought was really interesting that I want to get to before we move on. Um, there's basically a race to 20. And so the two super conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, both are sitting at 16 teams um, in the future, right? Or They both have 16 teams incoming. And so there are eight spots available, four in each conference. And we are going to pick which schools get the nod to which conference, which I feel like the conference one will be a little interesting just because I'm not really sure what it doesn't matter geographically anymore. So it's like, no, yeah, it just just depends on who wants who. Like in my head, I was like, oh, I can't put both Arizona's in the SEC. But honestly, everything's out the window. Yeah. I mean, you could. And so I, I want to ask you on this on this list under ACC, Notre Dame yeah. is listed. Are we yeah. counting that? Because, yeah. OK, because of what I just think I like, I don't see a realistic I, way that that's something that happens. Notre Dame is probably going to say independent just because it's who they are. They've had even before they signed this ACC contract, they've had plenty of opportunities to join conferences. They've mm-hmm. it's just they're just elite like they're just nobody could be notre dame um so you know how it is you know the vibes i get it like <laughs> i went to catholic school i get it i get it it's, it's part of yeah. my reason of my disdain for notre dame but yes <laughs> I, I think notre dame we will exclude um okay but obviously if they were to join a conference it would have to be the acc what if the acc just starts poaching people i mean if i was a remaining power conference quote unquote power because none of them have power anymore. The other three don't. I would just mm-hmm. start doing my best. I'd be like, hey, you want to come over here, form an alliance, like an actual one? Not an alliance? Is that what you want? Is that the word you want to use right now? Alliance? <laughs> they ruined the word. They ruined the word because it was basically a handshake agreement. And this isn't the 1990s or 80s or whatever when 
a handshake. Oh, man. This is so, this is this is capitalism. Like this is this is. is what you wanted. This is the system working. Like this is the market or whatever whatever excessive you know what capitalists love to say. You know what's gonna happen? What? And I feel like we're gonna have multiple super conferences and the teams are gonna get upset that some schools are getting more attention, more money, more TV, whatever. And they'll be like, you know what? We're gonna start our own conference. And then everybody's gonna go back and like it's gonna be like History repeats. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Everything is psych is a cycle. It's secular. Mark this secular July first, twenty twenty two. I'm saying that the super conferences will eventually go back to a few conferences. Um, but let's start. We'll go snake draft. So you go SEC. Ooh, okay. So you go first. I'm drafting for the SEC. Yep. And, and you're doing I'll... the Big Ten. Okay. All right. With we'll, the first. We'll so, so there's four. There's, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Borba. You go SEC, I'll go Big Ten, and then I go SEC, you go Big Ten. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, perfect. Um, all right. So there's gonna be eight picks: four for the SEC, four for the Big Ten. I have the first pick, and it starts with the SEC with the first overall pick in this weird snake draft for the Southeastern Conference, where it just means more. <laughs> I will be putting in. I will be putting in Florida State. I was debating between both Florida schools, whether it be Florida State or Miami. I feel like they're both going to end up in this conference. Um, But I think given the the natural rivalry with Florida and given the geographical location, yes, geography is having a little bit of a say in this. I just Mm. think it's too perfect of a situation. And FSU can finally see what it feels like to go through the SEC gauntlet, those petty 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 tallahassee people yes okay um so you went florida state so with the very or mm-hmm. with the second pick the first pick for the big 10 um i'm gonna assume that notre dame doesn't figure it out and like isn't able to accept Correct. an invitation and so i'm gonna Correct. go Oregon as my first pick for the big 10 and then i'm okay. gonna follow that up with the second pick for the sec and go with the other florida school and put miami in there great pick so, like yeah. the, i love the idea um, that means I now pick for the pat for the Big Ten, and you yep. went Oregon. I did. I'm gonna go with a West Coast school, but not the one you think. I'm gonna go with Utah. Oh, I would I like prefer that. to have Utah's success. I would prefer to have Utah's um longevity, Utah's geographical footprint. It's like a it's in the mountains. It's a stepping stone over. It can be a stop. I like Utah to fit in that zone. I'll take them in the Big Ten. And now I have to add a team to the SEC. Yes, sir. This might be my group of five bias. Yeah. I think the Big 12 teams all seem like I don't I don't know if I'd touch any of them. I'm about to touch a Big 12 team. Okay. 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 (laughs) I'm gonna put another team in the state of Florida. It's gonna be UCF. Uh, yeah, that's a good pick. I'm taking UCF because I believe UCF to be on that path to become a football powerhouse. They are not mm-hmm. yet. And I also, um, I think having Florida, Florida state, Miami and UCF in one football conference and having that conference be the sec yeah. would be, would do numbers. I yeah. mean, I mean, like insane, like, World Cup soccer game level numbers 
on a rivalry weekend. Like I, I truly believe in the state of Florida it would be insane. Um, yeah, oh, be, having the four the four biggest programs in the state all being in the SEC would be incredible. It would resurrect gang violence. Um, <laughs> um, so, so okay, so to re- so recap, I we have FSU, we have FSU, Miami, UCF, and the SEC added, and we have Oregon and Utah in the Big Ten. Borba, you make a Big Ten pick and an SEC and the final SEC pick, and then I'll make the final Big Ten pick. Okay, so Big Ten, and this one's hard for me. Because I wanted to go Clemson, but I feel like Clemson is SEC property. And so I'm going to go plot twist Duke for their basketball program. Duke, oh, okay. Duke hops into the Big Ten. Um, because at okay. this point, I mean, there's not that many Pac-12 teams that I'm attracted to. Um, I would say Stanford. No. Stanford, maybe. The other one that I was thinking was honestly Baylor or North Carolina. So the, I was thinking, I was thinking Iowa State, maybe. Yeah, I just because of Iowa basketball State, and such, and the Iowa State market's not doing it for me. I agree. It's just not. It's just not. And so, I'll put Duke in the Big Ten, and then, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, Clemson in the SEC. In the SEC, pair them up with South Carolina, and then the final pick. Which this is hard because there's only eight spots, and there's a lot of good teams left or good schools left. Yeah, this is tough, but I think. Because you put Duke, I feel like I have to take North Carolina. I have to go UNC, right? Yeah, but then at the same time, it's like, did we make a mistake of separating North Carolina and Duke? But at the same time, their football programs aren't good enough to be like considered priority compared to these exactly. other places. Exactly. They, they immediately shoot. I mean, the Big Ten is a fantastic basketball conference, so that they have competition there. I think then what happens after this, let's say we have those two 20-team super conferences. Yeah. I think then we get a third quote unquote super conference and we throw the remains of the ACC, the big 12 and the PAC 12 and kind of put them together in a way. Maybe you have um, a 20 teamer and then maybe like a 10 teamer, you know what I mean? Like, and you have those kind of tiers Um, that would be cool. That would be interesting. And then I think ultimately, I I don't know how this is going to happen, but I ultimately think that we're going to implement some kind of promotion relegation where the SEC and the big 10, can collaborate Ooh. with probably those other two super conferences and we have the mobility going up and down so long as the so long as the payout from the television contracts is excuse me I keep hiccuping so long as the payout from the television conferences is close to the same or enough where schools won't be like well I don't want to join this and then go down kind of go up then I think mm-hmm. it'll be worth it who knows? Maybe this is the long game. The long game is promotion relegation within college football, which would be fantastic. I just need soccer to American soccer to implement it as well. Um, I mean, it, it'd yeah. just be different, you know. It'd be it'd very. Be, it'd be interesting. I think that'd be very different for the sport of college football. And I don't, I don't know how the fans yeah. would react, but at the same time, I don't think mm-hmm. literally a year ago or go back a year and a half, we didn't have like talks of super conferences at all. And so mm-hmm. it's like you never know what to expect. Like yeah. we were, just, we were just mad about the playoff not expanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's well, like this is another thing this yeah, kind of puts a puts a nail in the coffin for expanded playoff at least before the current contract ends in 2026 yeah that's true i think we're going to keep so, it for until 2026 and then from there maybe they expand they probably want to expand it because with i mean if they both have they these two conferences have 16 teams that's 32 teams between two of them they're gonna want 
It's like the AFC and the NFC at this point. Literally, literally. And if we get promotion relegation, it'll be a bit more um, a bit more fair, you know, in that sense. You can kind of climb up your way. It'd be fun. Yeah. Um, so so to, re- to, re- to put a button on this before we move on, um, the Big Ten we added with the inclusion of USC and UCLA, we added Oregon, Utah, Duke, and North Carolina. And then in the SEC, we added Florida State, Miami, UCF, and Clemson. I think those are those are good ads in the in that world. Solid additions. Um, Solid some, additions. Notable, some notable ones I got left out. Georgia mm-hmm. Tech in the heart of Atlanta, which I mean. You got not- Georgia. No, no, listen. Like as much – you got Georgia. Georgia is Atlanta. Athens yeah, is an hour and a half away. You're fine. It's true. Um, Louisville, uh, kind of like a high-profile high program for football and basketball. Not really like among the elite in either, but they're always good. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously they, Notre Dame because of the situation right. that they're in. Yeah. Notre Dame, the Arizona schools, um, basketball-wise, and then Pitt. And then the biggest one, I think the biggest sleeper is Washington. Um, we took, I took Oregon, and Washington didn't make the cut for either of them, which I, mm-hmm. I think is interesting. But at, when there's only four spots avail- available for each conference, I mean, people are going to get left out. Yeah. Who would, you, who would you replace Oregon with if, say, the legislation passed – that schools couldn't leave because do you think the big 10 is wanting to take Oregon and Oregon state? So that gives us one extra spot in the big 10. Who would you give that spot to? I honestly, I'd give it to Oklahoma state. Oh, I wow. would. I think Mike. I just listened to a podcast that talked about Mike Gundy and he's kind of fresh in my head. And as much as, you know, I'm not a fan of him as a person, you can't deny that man, can, that man can coach ball. And he has had Oklahoma state on the, doorstep of conference and national title contention uh in his time at oklahoma state and i don't think that's something that ever happened i mean they they won bedlam last year like i I think oklahoma state would be a good brand basketball wise baseball wise football they got the consistency uh they're willing to put the money up to to compete at that level uh stuff like that so uh, I, mean, I mean, look, they, they brought in Derek Mason as their defensive coordinator. That's not something that would have happened in the past. They really are trying to spend the money to compete. So, um, yeah, were, I would probably go Oklahoma State. They were inches away from a uh, possible being the first two-loss playoff team. Um, they were yeah. inches away from that. Legitimately. Legitimately, yeah. So now that we've discussed all this conference realignment, there's been major movement in recruiting this past week. Past couple weeks, I would say. I'm just going to um, put my microphone down, and I'm just going to let you have have the floor for fine. the next five that's minutes. Fine. Everybody, step aside. ISO. Um, Texas has received a commitment from Arch Manning, the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, and the grandson of Archie Manning. Um, all legendary college quarterbacks. Uh, Archie, not so much in the NFL, but Peyton and Eli are both Hall of Famers. Um, Peyton for sure. Eli, poss- most likely. Um, and there's been a lot of a lot of discussion, a lot of a lot of debate online about Texas's quarterback room. Because if you remember Sergio, who's cleaning his glasses very intensely, um, Texas got Quinn Ewers from the transfer portal from Ohio State, uh, the former number one overall recruit. He was ranked higher than Caleb Williams. He was perfectly rated as a recruit. He's supposed to be the guy right now. And I think people are not understanding that they're hopefully going Quinn Ewers for two years, Arch Manning after that. I think too many people are getting caught up in the Manning name and assuming that he's just going to assume the starting role, and that's just not going to happen. I mean, it could happen unless – if he wins the job, he wins the job. But I'm just saying theoretically the plan is 
for Quinn to go two years, ball out, go to the NFL, then Arch to come in. But we have seen a major shift in recruitment. Texas has gotten, I believe, eight or nine commits in the past week after Arch Manning, and the Mannings are now avidly recruiting other recruits. Um, his father, his father, in an interview, called out a recruit by name and was like, "We want you at Texas." And so, how, if any, does the Manning effect change college football? And will Texas be back? Because I have a tangent on that too. I appreciate your professionalism by asking me the question and not just answering it yourself, Mr. Texas. <laughs> um, I think the Manning effect is real. I really believe it. Um, I agree with you. I think Quinn Ewers will play this year. I think Quinn Ewers will play next year. And then Manning will sit out his freshman year. And then he will play for two seasons before declaring for the draft. I think that's a perfectly fine timetable. Um, if you're a, if you're going to start, if you're going to be a freshman at Texas this fall, Oh boy, are you in for a fun four years? And even if it doesn't like produce championships or, or stuff like that, you're in for a fun four years. Ideally, two qu- two years of Quinn Ewers a quarterback, and then two years of Arch Manning a quarterback. That sounds like a good time. Um, I think that this this doesn't change college football in the landscape. We just had a thirty minute conversation about what will actually change college football. But I think in this in the world of recruiting, um, I think Manning is a great recruit. Obviously, I think he's a great talent. I think he's going to go first overall, just like I think Quinn Ewers is going to go first overall um, when he decides to declare. I think this is a situation where um, my, my only concern is if the Manning after Quinn Ewers, Manning's freshman year, is there going to be drama? Because famously, Archie Manning, um, if we remember when Eli was drafted, he was drafted to the Chargers. And he did not play for the Chargers. Um, so he, there's very much a, especially with the one-time transfer, who knows, maybe they get on campus and they realize, you know what? No, this guy's not going to play. Um, maybe we just transfer out. Or maybe they switch the commitment after. Maybe he, maybe he decommits in you know, November when Quinn Ewers is on a Heisman campaign and stuff and realizes, oh, I'm not going to be able to play next year. I'll go somewhere else. You never know. You never know about that. Um yeah, I just also think it's interesting. You know the top three? I know you know this because you've sent it to me multiple times. Uh, the top three rated quarterbacks in the 247 era are Vince Young, Quinn Ewers, and Arch Manning. All three of them played at Texas. One of them delivered a national championship. The expectations are going to be high for Quinn Ewers and for Arch Manning. And I think that it's great that these other players are going to Texas because they want to play with Arch. I, I really do think that that's something that's fun. Sometimes it doesn't work out. A lot of times, you know, one player will commit and then it'll be like, oh, come with me, come with me and try to recruit his boys kind of thing. But, you know, these players got to make the best decision for them. And if they feel like playing at Texas is the best decision for them, if they can get the most money out of that, if they can be in the best position to succeed, good for them. I think that is a true thing. I believe in the Manning effect. And I'm just hoping that it uh, it works out. I will never say Texas is back. I won't even say Texas is back. With with you celebrating a national championship, I still might not say Texas is back just because <laughs> I, we've we've said it a thousand times before and we've been let we've fallen flat on our face. So that's yeah. how I feel about the whole Arch Manning situation. Congratulations! I knew he wasn't going to Florida. I'm very glad he didn't go to Georgia because that was the other option. So very yeah. glad he's a Longhorn, not a Georgia Bulldog. Because Arch Manning playing for Georgia in that system, they just won a national title with Stetson Bennett. Could you imagine yeah. if they had Arch Manning? It's Arch over. Manning. Arch be, don't even take the field. 
at, at the at this moment, I'd probably take Arch Manning. Over yeah, Stetson I Bennett. would take a junior in high school Arch Manning over national championship winning Stetson Bennett. I truly believe he's a better player right now as a junior. Summer going into his senior year of high school than Stetson Bennett ever will be. No disrespect to Stetson Bennett. National championship quarterback. The mailman. Congratulations. I vomited on the inside congratulating a Georgia player for winning a title. But whatever. Alas. I'm going to stop talking. I'm rambling again. I've had a long day, Borba. Supposed to be my day off. Had a long day. Had a long day. I'll just touch on a couple more things. The Manning effect is... I think I think you brought up a really interesting point about transferring, um, him transferring, just because he has been questioned many times. Like, what are your thoughts about Quinn Ewers being there? And so I'm guessing there's some kind of contingency plan in place with Sarkeesian and staff and like everybody in the Manning family. Like, there has to be some sort of plan where it's like our plan is Quinn plays two years and then Archie plays. I, I think but- I think more than more than transferring, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I think more than transferring. I think the biggest concern is will he decommit and go somewhere else? Because I don't think it's in his best interest to go to Texas be, if he's the backup for a year and then get mad and transfer out when the Quinn is already going to declare. Why would you transfer out at that point? You might as well stay. You've learned the system. You're going to be in a better position to succeed. Like, why would you do that? He's going to start anywhere he goes, but he's definitely going to start after Quinn Ewers leaves at Texas. There's no question about that. So why would he kind of derail? I think, the question is, does he want to play his freshman year right away? Mm-hmm. And if he does, and if Quinn Ewers has the season that you and I both think he's capable of having this coming fall, then I think the biggest question is, will he decommit and go somewhere else? That's my biggest thing. Yeah, Texas needs to get him enrolled in classes. Like, that That needs to be their main goal. Like Pen once- to paper on the NIL as soon exactly. as possible. Once he's on campus, it does not matter if he tra- – I mean, you would hate, you'd hate to lose him. You, you really would. But – once Arch Manning's on campus, that means everybody that followed Arch Manning's on campus, some of those, not everybody's going to transfer with Arch Manning. Those guys are going to build relationships, build bonds with coaches. And if he does decide to transfer, so be it. I mean, a huge loss, nonetheless. And listen, but- if he's if he's transferring, it means Quinn Ewers is succeeding. So why would as a as a positional player, why would you leave that? Why exactly? Yeah, okay, maybe it's not the guy you you wanted to play with when you came in, but hey, the second highest rated. 247 quarterback in the history of rankings isn't a bad consolation prize if you ask me yeah it's true and that's i you touched on something that i'm going to touch on before we end um people keep saying that arch manning is going to bring texas back i'll just end that right now if he if arch manning is in position to bring texas back that means quinn ewers is a bust i'm just going to put that plain and simple because if quinn ewers doesn't bring texas back and arch manning does that means he failed. Like, I don't know what you consider back anymore because I don't know what I consider back because it's just, it's all relative. It's like, mm-hmm. I thought when we won the sugar bowl that I thought that was back. And then the next year they were eight and five. And so I would just like to point out that Arch Manning should not be in a position to bring Texas back because that means Quinn Ewers failed. I will end my tangent. That's a, that's a great way to put it, Borba, because I, I, I think people, I honestly think this might be one of the best things to happen to Quinn Ewers. From all that I've read, from all that I've kind of gathered, he seen Quinn Ewers seems like the kind of guy who he's saying, oh, you guys think he's better than me? All right, cool. I'll show you. And he'll work and he'll get in there and he'll do the right thing kind of stuff. I don't, he's not going to – I don't think he's going to get his confidence. His confidence is going to take a hit because of Arch, the Archman thing. If anything, it's going to light a fire underneath him and he's going to keep going. And the last yeah. thing I want to say before we sign off is I'm just so glad that we're having a recruiting conversation and it's about is he going to play? Is he going to this? And it's not about how much money he's getting from something. I'm not against that. As we know, I am pro 
I am pro securing your bag. Get as much money as you can because these programs do not care about you. They care about money. So you should treat them like the business they are. Get your money. But I do think it's nice. It's refreshing to have this recruit conversation because Arch Manning doesn't need NIL money. He's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he's already valued at like $3 million. <laughs> exactly. Like it, it, his more. last name is his last name is worth my entire net worth times 50. Okay. Like he's fine. Um, yeah. I, it's nice to have this conversation about strictly football play, you know, about like, is he going to play it? Is it this? Not? Had two so. wholesome recruiting stories. Uh, the Tennessee commit quarterback, Nico, I'm not going to try to say his last name. Mm-hmm. He, he skipped the elite 11 to play with his volleyball team. Because what a guy. He made, he made a commitment. You know, what I a guy. It. I respect it. I love wholesome stories. And in mm-hmm. an era of, like you said, where it's all about the money, um, football conferences recruiting all about the money but you know what's not just about the money it's for the love of the game it's a toe gutters podcast it's brought to you by the bleed podcast network i'm Preach. kevin Borgo. he's sergio de Asperia, and we will see you guys next week listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube